0: What is up Dolph fans and welcome to the drive time podcast part of the Miami Dolphins podcast network covering your team your Miami Dolphins how's it going everybody it is Friday I am your host Travis Wingfield and as always I am here to bring you your daily dose Of Miami Dolphins football and on today's show we welcome in an old friend to the podcast Antoine Staley the first ever Dolphins beat writer that I met and hung out with back when I was covering games for Locked On Dolphins he's gonna help us go over this draft class break down the Dolphins offseason take a look around the AFC East and a quick sneak peek at the 2022 draft class That's right. You heard that right. The scouting season never ends here on Drive Time. Plus, a quick tribute to one of my favorite Dolphins over the last half decade. All of that and more on this edition of the Drive Time podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. Before we get to anything real quick, May 7th. A very, very special day in the Wingfield household. A very happy birthday to Kaylin Wingfield, my beautiful wife, the beautiful mother of my child. I hope you have a great day, and I love you, and I'll see you here very, very shortly in time for Caroline's first birthday coming up later this month. Her birthday, Caroline's birthday, and Mother's Day all in this month. It's a busy one for me, but one of busyness and sheer happiness. So very happy birthday, Boo. And that's right, we call each other Boo because it started off as a joke when we first thought about pet names for each other, and that joke stuck six years later. Here we are. So the big news this week was that Adam Schefter reported on Twitter on Thursday the Dolphins will will part ways with safety Bobby McCain. Reports were that Malik Hooker was in for a visit earlier this week and he was having some fun with Dolphins fans on Twitter. So you can possibly, if that move were to come to fruition, see the swap for swap idea at that spot. And looking at the current roster, there just isn't a proven deep safety in terms of NFL experience playing that role on the current roster. I've seen the idea that Javon Holland slides right into that role, and maybe he does. We'll have plenty to talk about as we go through the summer and training camp, but Holland only played 300 of his career, 1,200 snaps in college at the free safety position, and we know Eric Rowe is more of a tight-end eraser who can match up in coverage, and Brandon Jones last year, as well as at college, spent most of his time down around the line of scrimmage and covering in the slot. So consider that Bobby was a cornerback before he was a safety, and the same is true of Eric Rowe, and we know Brandon Jones played slot at Texas. Byron Jones played safety in Dallas his first few years there, and Noah Igbenogany has the range you might like at that position as well. And again, this is me speculating. I'm just throwing ideas against the wall, but we know that last year Igbo was focused on developing clearly on the perimeter all season last year. They didn't even consider the idea of kicking him inside to play slot cornerback. Maybe it's one of them, maybe it's a committee, maybe it includes Malik Hooker. Whatever it is, it adds another layer of intrigue again to the summer program and training camp. It'll be interesting to see how this group comes together now, but I think it's apt for some appreciation here for Bobby McCain, who was the longest-tenured defensive player on the roster. And now Devontae Parker is the last man standing from that 2015 squad as the longest-tenured Miami Dolphin on the roster. Xavier Howard in 2016 now becomes the longest-tenured defensive player. But Bobby was a captain, an ambassador of all things South Florida, a good ball player here for a long time. Really wish him the best in his next stop. I don't suspect it'll take him long. To find work. As far as the salary cap considerations, according to spotrack.com, the release as a pre-June 1 designation would free up $5.6 million in cap space with a dead money hit of $1.48 million. He was owed roughly around $14 million in cash over the next two years. And again, cash is king when it comes to this stuff. And that's where the real savings from this move come into play. I was kicking around the idea of doing my annual ideal lineups segment where we talk about each offensive package and defensive package from 11 personnel all the way down to OO personnel to nickel, dime, dollar, half dollar defense and all that fun stuff. But I got to get back to the drawing board and regroup after this Bobby move. So we'll get to that either next week or the following week into the summer here on the podcast. And before we turn to our guest today, one of the very rare occurrences where I'm recording a podcast and some breaking news happens, Ian Rapoport, Adam Schefter, all the big heavy hitters have it. The Dolphins are, have agreed to a one-year deal with Jason McCordy, the former Patriots cornerback. And there's a story back in 2018 at the start of training camp when the Patriots auditioned him a little bit at free safety, and he played about 50-60 reps over his three seasons at that position, but has primarily been a wide cornerback on the perimeter in his career. 12-year veteran, he clocked a 4-3-40 back in his scouting combine year, but that, of course, was 12 years ago, but a very reliable, dependable, outstanding locker room Presence there for Miami, a versatile player with plenty of experience, great communication skills, all the stuff that Flores and Greer talk about. He checks those boxes. So an accomplished player, another good defensive back joins this Dolphins defensive back room. And we'll see if it's cornerback, if it's inside, outside, if he's the very next Brian Flores and Josh Boyer conversion to the safety position. I'm sure he can play wherever you ask him to. But Jason McCordy gives this deep Deep Dolphin secondary, another name, another accomplished NFL resume there in Jason McCordy. All right, now let's go ahead and turn this thing over to my guest today. And with that, let's give a warm welcome to my next guest. Dolphins fans know him well. He's a former beat writer for the Dolphins Wire on USA Today, and he's covered a bunch of college football over the years and currently works on the Florida State Beat for Tallahassee.com. Antoine Staley. Antoine you're just a few hours north, man. Like, when are we going to get you back down here to South Florida? Uh,
1: hopefully soon, though. Hopefully there's uh, some good news for, for the So hopefully I get down there soon for the, some regular season games.
0: Teasing the fans with that one. I know that you kind of earned this uh, badge of honor on Dolphins Twitter, or maybe among the Dolphins writers as the nicest guy. I mean, that's, that's how I know you, man. So I think you got a big fan base that would love to see you back down this way.
1: Yeah, I I mean it's it's been way too long. So yeah, I think this this is definitely the time to do it, especially with so much optimism uh, among Dolphin fans this year, especially coming off the ten and six season.
0: Exactly, exactly right. It's a fun time to be down here. And you and I were joking off air a little bit about, you know, I convinced myself and was trying to convince my wife for about a year that it doesn't get that hot. Like, yeah, it's hot, and there's a reputation of the humidity, like. I was full of it, man. Like, I'm wrong. It's it's hot. It's already hot. It's early May. It's already very, very hot out there. So that kind of leads me into this question I wanted to ask you. Give me one thing you miss about South Florida, and maybe the summers is the one thing you don't. But one thing you miss and one thing you don't miss about South Florida. Uh,
1: for me, I definitely miss being close to the water, right? having the ability to go to the beach uh, whenever I could. But yeah, I, I, you take it for granted, too, once you get down there. I remember when I first moved down there, it was like, yeah, I'm going to go to the beach every day or every week and then just uh just kind of lounge there or whatever the case may be. And then all of a sudden you just start taking it for granted and you're like, yeah, it's the beach, whatever. You know, I can go anytime that I want to. So <laughs> that's one thing that I definitely miss. What I don't miss is kind of what we touched on, the weather, the humidity, especially in the summertime, where it just gets unbearable. And then you're going to training camp, you're sweating up there in the box. In <laughs> training camp, there's no air conditioning, there's no, there's no fans, like, you're, you're trying to write down your notes on the computer, and then you have to go down on the field and then it's hot on the field. And as you know, it's hot on the field than oh, it is actually hot. in that box. And it's just, <laughs> by the time you get back to the press room, it's just like you're completely soaked and wet. And then, yeah, you just want to go home and take a shower and relax. <laughs> yeah.
0: My, my first year at training camp was 2019 with locked on dolphins. And I footed my own bill to come down here. I always say that was kind of the moment that launched my career. And then I was here last year with COVID protocols and everything was different. So things were different. But I remember going onto the field and then I would drive back to my hotel room and I would shower because like you said, like you're miserable until you get that shower. And then I would finish my work after the fact while the rest of the beat guys and you included had to go back there and usually had one of those hot sandwiches they would serve up to you. And then you had to sit in that little crowded room and, and write your story for the day. But, um, you know, I look back at that and think like how terrible it was at the time. And now I'm thinking like, I I want nothing more than one of those late July, early August scrums on the practice field because we just haven't had that. And it's like the old time, the old way of doing things, right? So my question for you, Antoine, do you have your best scrum story or maybe post-game story or something memorable that happened to you while you were covering the team within talking to a player or a coach and the other beat guys? Is there one thing that stands out to you?
1: Uh, A few things, actually. Uh, Just... Uh, I remember, like, really the training camp scrubs are kind of the best because people, the players get so tired of hitting each other at a certain point that, like, they just want to play against somebody. They don't care who it is. It could be uh, a high school team, college, whoever. And then uh, I remember just kind of, yeah, I remember just Jarvis Landry also uh, talking about that and just uh, players getting upset and pushing each other. Uh, I, I remember probably uh, one thing that I do remember my last year covering the Dolphins was uh, Mike Pouncy was still on the team there as well. And he was coming up on the last year of his contract. And he he thought he in his mind, he thought that none of us thought he was going to play all 16 games. Sure. And he, he just had that in his mind mentally, which I never said that. I just always wrote that he had not played all 16 games in such a long time. So he took it. As a slight, and then he pointed at every single reporter and said, like, you didn't think I would do it. You didn't think I would do it. He pointed <laughs> at all the reporters. I guess somebody told him that we had wrote something about him, and then uh, you just can't, you can't do nothing but laugh. But, you know, it's it, you know, it, a lot of players take things personally. Uh, they say they don't read anything. They don't read a lot of stuff, but they do. they always yeah. do. Uh, whether they do or also other play other their family members or people around them read it they they're aware of what you're writing and what you're saying about them on twitter and social media so that's always kind of what sticks out to me
0: to me that relationship between players and coaches and the local media market is is one of the most underrated parts about sports and sports media and coverage and all that stuff because you just can't replicate that otherwise like Flo jumping into a press conference and and acknowledging Cam or Omar or Safed by name. I remember last year at training camp, Safed had a Safed dean of the South Florida Sun Sentinel had quoted Flores previously about something he said. I forget the material. Flo disagreed with the fact that he had said that. And as Flo was coming onto the practice field around that corner where the bathrooms are, like by the bubble, you know what I'm talking about. He came yeah. around from that corner and he looked up at press row and all of us were sitting there. Of course, nobody else in the facility because it's just media and the players. And he looks up and said, Safa, you find that quote? And he's like, I'm working on it. And so like that, that back and forth, you can't top that. It's my favorite thing when it comes to sports and sports media. So speaking of talking to coach and his interaction with media, I know you were, you covered the team his first year here, correct?
1: Uh, yeah, I, it was, I was coming out when his first year. Yeah. So I covered him a little bit before I ended up leaving.
0: So you got to know him a little bit. Yes. Uh, you know, his temperament, you know, the way he answers questions, you know, he's, he's transparent when the question I think is, is adequate or, or, or it's, it is legitimate and maybe not so much. Otherwise, if you could put one question to coach right now, whether it's about the draft, the off season, this upcoming season, whatever it might be, do you have one question that you would love to ask coach right now?
1: Absolutely. I think uh, it goes back to the quarterback position and, you know, I, I I'm very confident in Tua. I know um, some people have kind of, you know, were a little negative uh, out the way the year ended last year and, you know, the high expectations um, playing, going into Buffalo and potentially getting a playoff spot. I would just ask him just kind of where he sees tour at this stage and also what makes him so confident in tour heading into his second year in the league too, I think. Late like for me, they're just seeing the growth that Tua, even though in the offseason, you kind of see just physically, Tua looks a lot different than what he did last year. And also getting that work in that he wasn't able to get in last year, especially when he was he he was recovering from that hip injury there. I you definitely can see a little bit more of the confidence. And I think uh that's gonna show once he comes this offseason season work comes about. But yeah, that would be the question I would ask him just it's kind of where he would assess where Tua is and his confidence level in him. Although you can kind of see it already because yeah. they're they're showing how confident they are in him right now, just the course of the moves that they made throughout the offseason.
0: I mean, they basically structured the offense around his strengths, in my opinion, which is a phenomenal approach to take for your second-year quarterback, right? Novel concept. Let's give this guy the things that makes him tick the best. I you you mentioned, you know, Tua there. His his first I don't think there's ever been a, a thrown in football in Dolphins practice that will be more anticipated than the first ball he throws whenever on-field work is available to the media. We all want to see that drive and that rip because like you talked about, he's jacked now, right? Like he's lifting weights. He's definitely put the time in and he's ready to come out and compete. I want to see the type of drive he has in that football now, you know, a year and a half, two years removed from that serious hip injury so you touched on, you know, covering flow your first year here. And one of my favorite exercises, and we talked about this in the Twitter spaces conversation, which by the way, if you guys aren't familiar yet, Antoine, uh, Jason Sarni and Waldo. I, I don't know Waldo's last name. I know at the, he does the regulars podcast, right? Yes. They, these guys do a phenomenal Twitter spaces, which is like an hour long show where it doesn't record permanently, right? It's just a segment that's live and then it goes away.
1: We, um, we actually started recording it on a podcast, so we've been doing it once a week, too, as well. So we'll, we'll put it on a podcast. Uh, it's, some people don't, but yeah, we, we thought it'd be a good idea just so people can listen to it if they don't get a chance to be on the live spaces.
0: Well, it's a really cool format. I'm glad you're doing that. So people can go back and hear it. Cause I actually was on there and made some points that I, I was pointing to some friends about how I was talking about certain subjects. I was like, you guys got to go hear this and it's a great conversation, but we couldn't find it. So that's good to hear, but check them out on the Twitter spaces as well as the podcast. But as you get ready for year number three, and one of the conversations I brought up to you guys was put the 2019 roster up to the 2021 roster Night and day difference, Antoine. What do you think of this Dolphins' operation heading into year three of this regime of Flores and Chris Greer?
1: I love the direction that they've gone in. Because now you've gotten two or some weapons, and the and offensively, I feel like they're ready to take that next step. I feel like last year, um, I thought this was a team that could finish eight and eight, nine and seven. But just looking at the team, what they have defensively and also offensively, I think. I think they are a playoff team. I really do. I think you look at uh, on the first round pick and I know we'll start to get, we'll get into some of the draft picks too, as well. Uh, Waddle, I definitely think having him back with Tua and they already have some chemistry down anyway, even though they have not played, played with each other for a year, but they still, you still, when you have that type of chemistry, it's something that you're going to always remember and just always kind of it'll come back to you kind of like riding the bike. So I imagine that'd be something good there too as well. I like the uh, upgrades they made, uh, getting uh, Holland there from Oregon. I love them at the safety position. Actually, uh, before the draft started, I thought he was the number one safety for me heading into the draft. Well, somebody had asked me that and I was surprised. Actually, the Dolphins had a chance to get him. When they did, um, I know a lot of people were disappointed at the running back because they didn't, they didn't address the running back position there. But getting a guy like that who can not only play the safety position, but also play uh, also some cornerback position in the slot and also all of being versatile as he is also on special teams. I definitely think that's big, too, as well. And the way they've dressed the offensive line, too, is, um, and also defensively as well. Um, getting a guy like Jalen Phillips too as well in the uh, what they did in the draft. So I I love the direction this team is going. I definitely think it uh obviously Buffalo is the team you're trying to get now to in the AFC East there, but I definitely think you've gone you've gotten a lot closer than what you were and the expectations will be a lot higher heading into to that twenty twenty one this year as opposed to last year, where you're still trying to find your way and not necessarily sure where this team's gonna finish. I think the talent level has just been in, just significantly upgraded for the last couple of years.
0: I, I was going to say leaps and bounds. I'm glad you mentioned the offensive line because, you know, I've I've always really admired Jesse Davis for what he brings to this football team for his flexibility, his versatility, his leadership, the way he communicates. He's a great guy. And, yes. you know, he went into the 2019 season, I believe, after the Laramie Tunzel trade, really as the, like, we know this is like a starter. And he was maybe the only one that you could say that about. And now you look, I think, If the situation bears out, ideally, you know, and I hate saying this, ideally, he's your seventh or eighth offensive lineman, because if the upgrades you made or the the moves you made pan out the way you hoped, then that kind of slots him down. So that kind of right there speaks to the difference in terms of where this roster has grown over the last three years. And that's what's supposed to happen, right? You, You add talent, they tore it down to the studs, and now they're building it back up through Flo's vision. And I think that you get that head coach right, man you get that vision executed. You can really start flying from there, but you touched on Jalen Waddle and Javon Holland, which brings me into my next question. Which was your favorite pick of this draft? It almost sounds like maybe it's Holland. Do you have a favorite pick from the dolphins in this 2021 draft?
1: I think it would be Holland just because I just love the thing I've noticed about Brian Flores, And then you would know it better than I would. I just think he likes players that are versatile that can do a lot of different things. And, play a lot of different positions where you talk about offensive line, where you can plug guys in and obviously injuries are going to happen throughout the course of the year. And with Holland, I definitely think that, yeah, you can, like you say, you'll have him as your traditional safety, but you can use him in so many different ways that it can confuse the defense. And obviously a ball Hawk, there's somebody that's gotten a ton of interceptions in college too, as well. And, uh, I, like i said before um if you need him to play special teams i don't know if they, how much they will but if you need him on that end he can definitely do that there too as well so yeah I, I definitely it's rare that your your favorite pick will be a second round pick or day two pick but that's mine too because i think he can immediately have the impact or all phillips have and also waddle has in their first year so yeah i i think the pick was just a home run there for the
0: dolphins we've got antoine staley here on the drive time podcast and I don't think I have many options for you for this next question because I can't imagine it's Jalen Phillips at number 18 who was the top pass rusher on many people's board in general to get him at number 18. You then come back. Maybe it's the trade up to get Liam Eikenberg. Maybe it's the third-round pick with Hunter Long. Maybe it's trading out of the fifth round and having that 150-pick gap. Was there a pick that you would have done differently, something you would have done differently on draft day in general, whether it's not making a trade or selecting a certain player? like Which pick was it, and what would you have done differently?
1: Can I, can I say uh, nothing real? I mean, yeah, obviously you, you would like to have a running back. Uh, I, I think they would have wanted a running back. Obviously, uh, uh, Williams from North Carolina was possibly there for the taking before the Broncos slid in and drafted them. But I think that was what they decided maybe wanted to do. But obviously the Broncos did that for a reason because they knew the Dolphins were interested. But, I mean, just looking at it and how the draft played out, I thought they did a great job. I really do. I thought they had one of the best drafts uh, out of all the teams in the league. They address, You can't address all every single need that you have in the draft. I mean, it's impossible. But I think they addressed a lot of the concerns that they had heading into the offseason. You got you a playmaker and wide receiver. You, you needed pass rushing help. You got that. Yeah, I definitely think safety was a concern, too, as well. But I know uh, Hunter Long probably confused a lot of people, yeah. but it didn't confuse me because – when you're when you're building a team like Chris Greer and Brian Forrest is trying to do, like you see what you you see what potentially you may need in the future. Yeah. And that's why you end up taking a guy like that. You understand that Mike Giseki and Durham Smite earned it last year in their contracts. And you want to make sure that you have a contingency plan just in case you're not able to sign one or the other. And you're getting a guy that can also who's a heck of a pass catcher, but also somebody that can uh Contributed in the run blocking pass, run blocking game too as well. So I I love every single move that they made um, throughout the course of the draft too as well. So for me, I would I don't think I would change a thing. I know, like I say, I know a lot of people wanted a like Najee Harris or uh, Travis Etienne or also uh, DeJuan DeJuan Williams from North Carolina, but I I really love the draft that they had, and I I definitely think they did a uh, they did a great job upgrading their team.
0: I mean, there's a reason that pretty much every publication out there has the Dolphins, at least within their top five or six drafts this year. And I'm glad you mentioned the tight end depth in that in your answer there because it's for so long, and you can attest to this, Antoine, you covered this team kind of in the peak of this era, but for so long, it was like... Let's draft the position we have the biggest need at. For instance, I think Charles Harris might have been kind of in that mold. We had to have a pass rusher. Charles Harris is on the board. Obviously, TJ Watt and Tack McKinley were there, and that's a different discussion for another day. But that's what they did. And so this year, I look at this draft class, and it reminds me of a team like Tampa Bay or Kansas City, one of these teams that you know has competed in Super Bowls the last couple of seasons and has... I guess their roster figured out. And so let's just go ahead and get the best player we can plug him into the lineup. And we do that enough times year over year, we're going to be able to sustain the success. And that's kind of what I saw from Miami. It's not like panic, go get your needs, plug up that hole and call it good. Let's get the best football players we can. And that's like you said, like, I expected you to give me one, but I'm glad that you didn't as far as what you would do differently, Antoine. So Yeah, I
1: just think that, yeah, that, that's what the best teams have done for Look at the Ravens and the Steelers. Yes. They do that consistently. They get, they make sure they draft guys that can go out, that fit their system, and also uh, the best available player. And it, it doesn't matter if they already got a running back or a linebacker or whatever the case may be. They figure it out later, and they draft those guys. And that's what you have to do. I mean... I think if you start drafting on these all the time, then you're not taking the best players for your system. You have to be able to make sure those players are going to a fit into what you like to do and be uh, they ta- fit in from a talent standpoint as well. So, and I feel like every person every team, every player that the dolphins fit did that uh, last weekend.
0: 100% agree. And as someone who has to file stories about transactions when they happen, just know that this team and Brian Flores, they're going to churn this roster and continue to bring guys in, e- escort guys out, and just continue to find gems and, and hidden pieces that can contribute, especially when it comes to cut down day. This has been one of the more active teams the last couple of years, and they found gems, whether it's a Vince Beagle or even a Savon Ahmed last year. They find guys in September after cut down day. So it's not over yet. Like we have a long way to go until football games are played to plug those possible needs. And speaking of a long way to go, Again, I talked about Antoine covering college football, and and I apologize, Antoine, because I know you've been at many different publications. Athlon is the one that I recall most recently. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. So because of that, I thought, what a great opportunity to, to do what some other publications have done and give ourselves a a peek ahead to the 2022 draft class. And I want to go ahead and just kind of go down the list here, position by position and talk about what you like in the class, maybe what you don't like. And how about quarterback? Like this is one of those classes where, you know, every everyone this year talked about how you have to come away with one of those top four quarterbacks this year, because next year's class is no good. Do you see someone that is a clear cut? Number one, is there someone that you have as a dark horse candidate to rise up? Who do you like? Who do you not like? Talk to us about 2022 quarterbacks.
1: Well, first of all, when people say that, i my answer to that is always, did anybody think uh Zach Wilson was gonna be a top quarterback? Did anybody think Joe Burrow was gonna be a top quarterback? So it's always somebody that's you don't necessarily know much about and they come they come of age, they have a great year, and then all of a sudden they're a top one or two picking on, on the draft board. So yeah, just because you're not you don't see a top a whole lot of top quarterbacks now doesn't necessarily mean that won't be the case next year. So Having said that, for me, I think Sam Howell from North Carolina, I definitely think you look at him and everything that he's like him starting as a freshman on the Matt Brown and just uh um, his maturation there. And I definitely think you're looking at what North Carolina has potential to, potential to be this upcoming season, where I think, you know, I think obviously Clemson will be the favorite in the ACC, but. Uh, North Carolina's right there too, especially with the talent uh, Mac is uh accumulated throughout the course of the year. And um having a guy like Sam Howell at least for one more year, I definitely think he's poised to have a really, really big year. Uh so for me, he would probably be the top quarterback on my board. I know a lot of people uh we spoke about this off air, uh especially Rattler. I, I think he's a little bit um behind uh Howell a little bit in that sense. But you know, it wouldn't surprise me, especially in that Oklahoma offense and all the the success that they've had bringing out quarterbacks that he'd be up there ranked top too. So those would probably be the top two guys I would list least uh, list right now. But how to me clearing the way is the number one guy at least on my board right now the quarterback position.
0: I just can't get into Rattler's game, man. There's something about it that I don't like. I don't. I, maybe it's too mistake <laughs> prone. Maybe it's too. Just, there's just something about it that's off to me. And I, I don't know what it is. I'll put a finger on. It maybe next year. Uh, you know, in the scouting process. But the one name I want to give you guys is Jaden Daniels from Arizona State because he's extremely thin, definitely not built like your prototypical quarterback, but he's athletic as all get out and has a big arm as well. I like watching his game, and he's tortured the Cougs a couple times in his career, so there you go for that. Staying in the Pac-12, and I usually go quarterback, running back, receiver, like in order here, but I want to jump to the defensive side of the football because to me, there is one player in this class that is clear-cut, a runaway from the rest of everybody. Kayvon Thibodeau of Oregon. I've seen this guy rush outside, inside, stand up, three-point stance, four-point stance. He beats tackles, guards. He can defend the run. He got double and triple teamed all year last year. Antoine He's the best player in this class, right? Right now. Yes.
1: Right now, he would be the number one pick in the draft, I think, right now. No matter who was picking. Not a, no matter if you needed a pass rusher or not, he is the guy. Because you, you can never have too much pass rush help. That's one of my things, too. You never have too many too many good cornerbacks. You can never have too many edge rushing. Because you know, you're always going to need to have those guys, and you can rotate them out in the offensive linemen. I feel like that. that's kind of in that same mode too as well. But yeah, you look what he's able to do and just the versatility. We talked about this earlier, what the dolphins like to do, not that I expect the dolphins to be up there to be able to yeah. take them. But <laughs> uh, I definitely think that people love uh, having a guy that can do a lot of different things where he can line up inside. He can line up on the outside. He can play three, four, he can play four, three. And I, I don't care who you are or what team you um, team you are. If he's, if you have an opportunity to draft this guy, then you're definitely going to take it. So I have a hard time believing. he he might not be the number one pick because you may have a team that need a quarter has quarterback needs but he he should be top two or three just simply because of everything he's doing uh, how. Freaking of an athlete he is so yeah i expect him to go in the top two or three pits in the uh, 2022 draft
0: we'll give him the 2021 season but to me he's in he's in chase young stratosphere for me Mm -hmm. like as as far as a prospect goes and that's (laughs) as high a praise as you can give a guy let's go back to the offensive side of the ball here and back out to the big 10 and the receiver position a player that many thought could have been a first round draft pick this year he goes back to school and chris alave is he your clear-cut number one receiver
1: uh, I, I, def- uh, I think you look at, uh, Justin Ross, I think from yeah. Clipson, I definitely think he's up there too, as well. So yeah, I, I probably have in the top two or three. Uh, I think Ross, uh, I mean, Clemson keeps turning out these athletes too, as well. So you look at Ross and, uh, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how he plays without Trevor Lawrence, but we saw Trevor Lawrence, uh, miss some time last year. And I think Ross was fine. And I definitely think he'll, Continue to put up big numbers too once again. So those would be probably on number one and number two, not in particular order. But I definitely think both of those guys are high picks, top top fifteen, top twenty pits and uh should uh, make a ton of money and be taken very highly in the twenty twenty two draft.
0: Yeah, you mentioned Clemson. I'm excited to see DJ Yungalea. Oh uh, man, you know you know DJ, what Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited <laughs> to watch him play because like. You know, you get so used to these generational quarterbacks, like a Trevor Lawrence, for instance, who was just the guy from day one. Last year, we saw DJ play a little bit, and they, they actually lost a game with him in there. But I'm excited to see what he brings. He is. It wasn't his fault. No, they lost. no, they, not at they all. Couldn't. They,
1: when you give up 300 yards yeah. rushing then you're going to lose no matter who you're playing, so he played, he played as well as he could have, especially yeah, he, for the situation that he was in.
0: He's unique, man. He's a big big, he's Ben Roethlisberger with way more athletic ability, so he's, yes, he, he's fun to watch. And Yeah, that's going
1: to be fun to see uh, him play, especially in that Clemson
0: offense. Just getting football, getting college football back with fans in the stands is going to be so much fun this year. You touched on, you know, the Clemson receivers and Justin Ross, love his game. I'm sure Bama's going to produce an, another couple of receivers here. John Mechie last year was fun to watch. They had a freshman i forget his name who was really good too let's go ahead and stay there with the crimson tide though on the offensive line evan neal if you haven't heard of this guy yet six foot seven 360 pound offensive tackle he's not even a guard he's a tackle 360 pounds and he carries it well is he the top offensive lineman you think
1: for me yeah i mean this guy is like huge like <laughs> He's so big I mean, he stayed and then the crazy thing is alabama like i say they don't re, uh, rebuild they just keep reloading these guys and they come out like, they have all these draft picks uh they had six in the first round and then next year they're probably going to have another five in the first round too as well they they just keep turning them out no matter who leaves school or whatever the case may be and i think neil is the next guy that's going to be taken pretty highly probably a top 15 pick i believe. Just um, like how big he is, how he, I mean, you're not going to move this man whatsoever I just <laughs> because uh, his size and also his left athleticism as a tackle. So yeah, I definitely think uh, he's somebody that I think a lot, a lot of people may not know about him because they know about some of the other bigger names for Alabama. But when, once the fall comes and they able to see more of what he can do. He'll definitely be on more people's draft uh, board and also more radars.
0: It's funny, man. I used to really hate Bama because obviously the whole Saban thing. But now I love watching them because they basically are the greatest farm system for the National Football League. And that will continue as long as Nick Saban yeah, is there. How could you not? I mean, I know,
1: you know the players that you see, you know, know. they're going to be playing on Sunday. So, We've I mean, got five of them here. Yeah, you just have to respect it. Like That's pretty much what you have to do. <laughs>
0: Five, five, five Crimson Tide players in Miami right now. Let's go ahead and finish up in the secondary. We'll go ahead and, and pair cornerback and safety together because to me, there are three guys in this group that really stand out. Derek Stingley, I think, is the top cornerback. And then... At safety, I'll let you kick it off at safety because I want to give you a story on a guy that I know you like there, but Derek Stingley, and then who's your top safety as well, Antoine?
1: Uh, for me is, uh Kyle Hamilton. Uh, definitely, uh, if you don't know much about him, definitely from uh, Notre Dame too, as well. So yeah, definitely th- like Hamilton to me is definitely the top safety on my board too as well, and Uh, Yeah, I definitely think I love what he can do. I love the athleticism. I love his versatility. And I definitely, I know a lot of people were kind of down on the safety position this uh, upcoming draft, but I expect it to be uh, much a high priority in next year's draft for sure. And I think Hamilton will lead the way there.
0: Yeah, no safeties in the first round this past season. And that kind of end of first round, top of second round has produced some good ones. I think Hamilton will break that trend and he'll go more up in the Jamal Adams territory because, you know, I told you this off air. 2019, I was watching Khalid Kareem, the defensive end from Notre Dame in the run-up to the draft, and I see this number 14 kid running all over the field, and it's a true freshman, and I wrote his name down, and it's still in my 2019 scouting notes, and this year, he's clear-cut safety one, and that's with Bubba Bolden coming back to Miami, who was among my top five safeties this year, if he had declared. Do you, how, what do you know about Bubba Bolden's game, and are Canes fans going to kind of have a great safety this year in that defensive backfield?
1: Oh, Yeah, definitely. He's probably, um, you're looking at some of the one of the top, like one of the like a top 20 pick, I think, potentially. Uh, I'm surprised he didn't come out this because I felt like he would have been somebody that would have been a fringe first round pick this upcoming year, especially considering the state of the safety position. Now he gets lumped in with, I think, a lot more, a lot of talented secondary players and also more, uh, with Hamilton too, as well. But Bowden, yeah, definitely, uh. Definitely think he's one of the better ones in the country. Ball haul there can do a lot, um, uh, play up in the box, but also um uh um, great in covers too as well and I definitely think that um, when it's all said and done and yeah he'll definitely be a solidified first round pick this upcoming or next season next year in the draft too as well so yeah I love his game and I definitely think you'll hear more about him as the time as the draft process goes on.
0: Just a handful of names we selected there for you guys of course there are plenty more and we have a whole year to get into that so a little brief preview there of the 2022 NFL draft let's go ahead and bring this thing back to close this podcast up and let's do kind of a speed round here with the AF NFC East Antoine. I've been kind of thinking of some potential off-season ideas and segments for the podcast. And I was thinking, let's go around the NFL. And I thought, let's talk about Aaron Rodgers. Then I thought to myself, I don't want to do that. I'm so over the whole like (laughs) drama quarterback, like just show up and like two NFC championships in a row. You've got an all pro receiver an all pro offensive lineman. Like, I don't know, man, it bothers me. So Let's just let's just move on, okay? <laughs> let's talk about the AFC East here and start with the New York Jets, who I love their draft, even though I didn't I didn't think Zach Wilson was QB two. He, he was QB four for me personally, Antoine. You can tell us what you thought of that. Elijah Vera Tucker, I was a little bit off-put by trading up for an offensive lineman in a deep class, especially two third-round draft picks. But then after that, with Elijah Moore and Michael Carter, those were fantastic picks, I thought. They come back and get Hamsad at the safety-slash-linebacker out of Florida State in the sixth round. How much better is that team? And did they get it right with Zach Wilson?
1: Uh, I I think Zach, well, I agree with you. I think Zach Wilson was probably two, like three or four in my, as far as quarterbacks. I had, I had Justin Fields number two. That's just my opinion. Uh, You know, whatever the case like a lot of people felt like Zach Wilson had the higher potential, but for me, I thought Fields solidified himself in the playoff last year. But the quarterback aside, I definitely think I did like what the Jets did. uh, Addressing some offensive line needs, Um, Elijah Moore, getting him what they did. I definitely think that was huge too. Uh, End up getting Corey Davis in the offseason too as well. I definitely uh, you got those two players together. And Michael Carter, who I thought could have been a second round pick potentially, wow. not they get him in the fourth round. That's that's a heck of a value there. And Nasadine, who the real the reason he slipped down was really basically because of the injuries that he endured uh, his last year there at FSU to get him in the sixth round, which I think he's definitely a third round talent. I think I, I think they did a great job. I think you, <laughs> it's hard to on the Dolphins podcast to kind of give. Jeff- <laughs> credit but um you kind of have to do game has to break it out game a little bit i definitely think that they, they've definitely improved their uh, football team this year uh robert Silas has come in and uh, definitely put his stamp on there joe douglas the general manager seems like they've done a really good job this year and it'd be interesting to see how they finish this upcoming year but i definitely think um looking at their draft other than maybe the quarterback position i definitely think they got it right for pretty much
0: all of their picks i have a one answer response i need from you here do the dolphins sweep the jets in 2021
1: Yes, you have. If you're going to make the playoffs, you have yeah, to. Yeah, exactly, so, yes. perfect.
0: And another team they probably have to get at least one, if not two from, is a team that gets another new quarterback in the division in the New England Patriots, who had a very un-New England-like offseason. Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, Who Smith, Hunter Henry. They lose Joe Tooney on the offensive line, but they also get Dante Hightower, who opted out last year. And that, to me, is their best offseason addition they'll make to the roster this entire offseason. But then they drafted Mac Jones. So my question here, I suppose, is three-ponged. Who starts at quarterback for them opening day? Are they improved enough to push for a playoff spot? And can Miami get a, a sweep of them, or is it going to be like the last decade where these two teams sweep every, or split every single year? I should say.
1: All right, the, the Matt right, Matt Jones Cam Newton debate. I think you'll start out with Cam Newton just simply because you know obviously Cam Newton comes back his second year in the offense, and um, let me see. I, I thought he. Um, he has some ups and downs, obviously, his uh, first year in New England, but I definitely think he will be the starter initially. And then the problem is Cam Newton has not played a full 16-game season since two, 2017. So you're going to have to keep that in mind. If that if that continues to be the case, then Matt Jones will play at some point. So, uh, yeah, I, I imagine Cam will get the start there too as well. Uh, as far as them pushing for a playoff spot, yeah, I, th- I think they could Uh I mean, you got seven spots in the uh, AFC this um, now with the extra wild card. So, I mean, nine and seven, ten and six might be. It will probably get you uh, one of those spots. So, I think they could. Uh, along with the Dolphins, I think they'll they'll contend for one of those spots. As far as them sweep, like the Dolphins sweeping them, I probably have them splitting as well. That's just kind of how it seems Every like. Year. <laughs> it, it's weird because even when the Patriots were New England, the Dolphins will find a way to split with them more often than not. Uh, No matter how bad the Dolphins were, no matter how good the Patriots were, they came down to Miami and then the Dolphins would at least get one of those. So I expect that to probably continue too as well.
0: I'll just say 10 and 6 is good for everybody that gets in the playoffs except for Miami. Twice in my lifetime now, 10 and 6, no playoffs. Well, we have to Dolphins. say uh, maybe 10 and
1: 7 now. With <laughs> yeah, the extra, yeah, yeah, that's true. Mr. James, so yeah, coming.
0: It just broke my heart this year. Back in 2003, also, Ricky Williams is last year, his first in with the Dolphins, 10 and 6, no dice. Let's go ahead and finish mm-hmm. up with a team that did go to the playoffs from this division the Big Challenger, AFC Championship game representative, the Buffalo Bills. They addressed their pass rush needs with Rousseau and Carlos Boogie Basham, who I hate that because I love that guy game so much Antoine is this team closer to taking a step towards the Super Bowl or closer to coming back to the pack you think
1: I, I think um I think I, well I think they probably closer to coming back to the path because I think the Chiefs have gotten immensely better yeah. that that's how scary Kansas City is uh, I know I man. mean yeah it's it's insane and I feel like they've had one of the best offseason and they they won the AFC last year so that, that's crazy to think about there, but yeah, you look at Buffalo and some of their issues, especially you saw in the AFC Championship was the lack of pass rush and help. They hope they can kind of um, solve that with Russo, somebody that was kind of like, looked viewed as a first-round pick a little bit and kind of slipped down a little bit. uh it's kind of slipped down a little bit further than what he wanted, even though he still was a first-round pick. But uh, I definitely think he could potentially be uh, something uh, a player that can solve their issues and I love I love bashing them I saw a lot of them with Wake Forest uh Wake Forest uh Wait Forest salem area is where I'm from so I kind of keep up on uh what the, what the Demon Deacons do but yeah he's somebody that stood out like a lot of people probably didn't watch a lot of uh Wake Forest football but yeah he's he's amazing at what he could do and he definitely fits with Sean McDermott in that defense uh loves to do uh from a defensive scheme standpoint. So I definitely think they've improved in that area. But I think it's I think it's Kansas City and I think it's everybody else kinda oh, cluttered no. in the middle oh, trying no. to make trying to get that second <laughs> spot in the AMC. But I think the Chiefs are just far and away, at least right now on paper, unless something happens like a big-time injury, uh, they're a they're the clear-cut team in the AFC.
0: Which is kind of what happened that basically cost them, in my opinion, the Super Bowl this year was clear-cut injuries across the offensive line, but you have to give it to the, the credit to them to go out and address those needs and to not be bullish about it all. They went after it hard and addressed that offensive line, just like we addressed Arnie to talk about the 2022 draft as well as this season around the AFC East with Antoine Staley, formerly the nicest man on the Dolphins beat. Now we'll call you the Dolphins nicest man on dolphins twitter. What are you working on now, man? And where can people find you on social?
1: Uh you find me at Antoine Staley also uh on Twitter and you know find my work at uh, Tallahassee.com Tallahassee dot com too as well and you know just talking about Walter State football and just kinda we also preview some of the potential draft picks for them this upcoming year as well. So you can kind of check out my work there and just kind of see what what they may have in the store next year for the 2022 class as well. So yeah, they, they're hoping to have a much better year than they had from when it going three and six a year ago. So yeah, check out my work there. And uh, definitely, man, it was, it was great talking to you, man. It's been, it's been way too long since we did this. We'll have to do this uh, once again as well very soon.
0: Here's my closer. I was going to gonna end with come back down here. We'll do the elbow room and bow campers again. Sound good, man?
1: Yes. that That's a plan. Yeah. That, that'll that happen this year. Definitely.
0: Love it, man. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on Antoine. I appreciate it and have a good rest of your night, man. All right, you too. And there he goes. He said it all, Antoine Staley. He's a great resource to have because he's not just Dolphins. He's college football as well as the NFL landscape. So I appreciate him coming on doing that. We ran long, but I don't care. And I want to finish this podcast with something I closed out a podcast after Thursday night with. And I got a list of names here from the draft party on Thursday night at Hard Rock Stadium. Kim, Thomas, Heather, Doug, and Brian, the broadcast team, the control room staff, J Productions, they did all the stage design and the LEDs as well as the mics on stage and Dark Horse Miami signage for the desk design. In general, Hard Rock Stadium and Miami Dolphins operations and events departments for putting together that entire event. It was a spectacle. So much work that went into that. And thank you to everybody involved with the draft party. As for my time on this edition of the Drive Time Podcast, it's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. You can follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Audible and the Fish Tank Podcast. And of course, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up.